Welcome to the High on the Hogs podcast, our preview edition. This is Steve, your host, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Davis. Tyler, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, man, I've got a lot of emotions running through me right now. I'm, I'm proud, but I'm, but I'm furious. I'm excited, but I have so many different things. It's hard to explain, but all of it just means that I actually care. So Sam Pittman has me caring, caring about Razorback football and feeling emotional about it, and, that, and that's saying something compared to where we've been the past two seasons. Yes, you, you you hit the nail on the head. The passion is back for Razorback football, whether it's people upset about the loss, whether it's people you know claiming two and one, which is what we are, or it's the people <laughs> throwing a fit about the call. It's The passion is back for Razorback football, and it's not a passion of, well, who's our next coach going to be? Because we got our guy, and Arkansas looks really, really good so far um, compared to what we've been used to. So, yes, you hit the nail on the head with that open for sure. Yeah, apathy had definitely set in uh, under Chad Morris, and it's kind of ironic that the game after the Razorbacks faced Chad Morris at Auburn um, really gets the fans riled up. I mean, you mentioned the passion and the anger. I mean, that was one of the most egregious calls and endings to a game I, I, I i'm over it sort of but i don't know if i'll ever truly be over it um, the razorbacks got robbed of that victory they should be two and one off of two road wins on, on, over top 15 teams um instead they're sitting here at one and two but still really proud of the effort um this team is light years ahead of where they've been yeah it's just a different team and and, and i mean number one what we are all what we've been able to see and i think we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks is is just the the effort. You know, you don't see this team quitting. They, they got down 17 to nothing on Saturday, and it would have been really yeah. easy to see them just fold up and, and lose 52-3 to three again. So um, to see them really push and to really – uh, really just, I mean, I think I made the point after the game, you know, this, this it sucks that this team lost the way they did because they absolutely just busted their butts to, to get that victory, which they earned, and only to have the refs uh, take it away. So let's just jump into it real quick here on the, on the, on the uh, recap of the game. Um, obviously, Arkansas plays really, really well outside of that. Uh, those first five drives were, were pretty tough, a bunch of punts to open the game. But, you know, it seemed like once Bryles got the – Got the ship running. He got his got a little bit of rhythm behind him. This offense was humming pretty well. Yeah, I know we'll get into this a little bit more in depth later on in the pod. But but like you said, opened up the game with five punts and then scored on five straight possessions, four touchdowns and a field goal. To me, it, it really felt like um, Riles went less off of script and was just more reacting and adapting to what the defense was giving them. We saw some new new wrinkles in there as far as shovel passes and screen passes, delayed draws to Traylon Smith. I mean, the offense was coming. I mean, they were they were rolling down the field. Auburn didn't seem to have any answers for them, and, and that was by far Kendall Brown's best performance today. Yeah, without a doubt, when you look at the numbers just across the board, like you said, they scored on well, those, those five possessions afterwards. The you know One of them should have been a touchdown instead of a field goal, but you know the questionable decision there in the goal line or in the goal line situation to bring Hornsby in. Right. Um, you know, I know Andy and I talked about it. We've talked that up. You know, I, I truly believe that, that Franks was hurt um, or at least dinged up a little bit. You could tell he stayed on the ground a little longer after that pitch played the play prior to that. So, you know, probably that was part of it, but you got to wonder why there wasn't a timeout called, um, you know, after that. Really, the only issues that I had with Bryles in that game was, you know, early when they were trying to find their way, which 
I don't know that that was so much Bryles, and and we can get into that too in a little bit. But you know, and then the um, you know that 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 possession and another possession later in the game. But you know, I've, obviously the the Hawks played really well after that seventeen nothing. After they went down seventeen to nothing, only giving up thirteen points the rest of the way. And uh, you know, Traylon Smith looks like the real deal. Um, we were a little worried after the first couple of weeks when we didn't see a whole lot of that uh, tackling water thing. Um, but uh, boy, he looked really good on Saturday. Yeah, he's really dynamic out of the backfield. I mean, he gives you things that Rakeem Boyd doesn't. Um, I'm not saying that, that he's a better player than Rakeem Boyd. He's just different. He's more versatile. He's a better receiver out of the backfield. Um, caught a touchdown, had multiple solid carries. Um, and also, how about Davion Warren? I mean, he just continues to come through in the absence of Traylon Burke. Um, I think coming into this season, he had, I don't even think he had double-digit career catches. Um, but again, he had five catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. His speed is showing. He's, he's, he's one of the few receivers who've been able to get open for Arkansas so far. and He's been massive for the offense. Yeah, and we really needed him this week, too, when you think about it. I was pretty harsh on uh, on Trey Knox in our re- reaction pod. Um, mm, yeah. But, but, man, he had a tough day. I mean, you know, we've we've heard, you know, the, the chasing points argument and, and when they were going for two so many times after missing the first extra point. But that argument's put to bed if Mike I mean if Trey Knox just makes that catch on the two point conversion. Exactly. And it was a catchable ball. Yeah, it was a tough catch, but he had two hands on it and all he's got to do is come down in bounds and he took his eye off the off the ball to make sure his feet were gonna fall in bounds. And then he missed a third down catch later in the game too that was pretty big. So you know, yes, the emergence of Davion Warren has been extremely surprising. Um, but, you know, in this offense, he fits what this team really wants to do and, and what Browse wants to do. So it's been awesome to see him get, you know, getting – really getting open, like you said, and, and a lot of times wide open. Yeah, I think an issue with Chad Morris and, and Joe Craddock and that staff is they really just didn't know how to use the players that they had. I mean, Davion's obviously always had talent, but the way they would use them, I know they – tried to have him throw some, some jet sweep passes and some odd crap like that. Bryles knows how to utilize his skill set. And just moving back over to Trey Knox, um, I, I don't want to pile on him or anything like that, but you definitely would be hard-pressed to find a, a player on Arkansas's offense that's been more disappointing so far. He's just really struggled to get going. I mean, he's a bigger receiver, so he has a little bit more trouble separating with a lack of speed. And then when he does get open, he seems to drop the ball. Um, like you said, on that big two-point conversion, I went back and watched the game. It was right in his hands. I mean, I don't know if he was, if it was because of the weather, it was slick, or he was worried about getting his feet in or getting hit. But he should have hauled that in, and obviously the in score, that would have been the difference. Yep, without a doubt. So, really, my biggest concern coming out of the game, is, as we think about or as we talk about it, was the lack of tackling. Um, I thought Arkansas tackled extremely poorly. I know Pittman and, and those guys have talked about that, and it'll be addressed. I think a big part of it was injuries. We, you know, Bumper Pool came into the week banged up, and um, he looked banged up. He just couldn't. He didn't seem to be able to wrap up. It seemed like every time he put a hit on somebody, he was, you know, he was coming off the field with some sort, you know, holding that shoulder, holding the wrist, and so something was going on there. And uh, obviously, I think that's carried into this week. We'll talk about that too. But you know, from that perspective, the, the tackling and of course special teams. Once again, another week of of uh, spending a lot of money to make a unit look worse, and, and that's just. <laughs> that's concerning in and of itself as well. Yeah, those are both obviously two things that I had down on my notes. With the tackling, I mean, coming into the game, the defensive unit and the, and the tackling were something that we had lauded in the past, uh, but they gave up 259 yards rushing, 6.3 yards per carry. 
Um, I think Big Z really impressed me. I think he's going to be a really solid back for Auburn, but he, he forced 14 broken tackles. I think I saw where that's the most by any running back this season. Um, just really didn't wrap up, whether that's injuries, like you said, fatigue or, or being slippery due to the weather. Um, we had walk-on Hudson Clark playing and freshman Kari Johnson on the other side. So you have a lot of different guys coming in and out. And then with the special teams, I don't. I mean, I don't want to be rude to Scott Fountain, but it's hard to believe that you have a guy who's totally his one job is to coach special teams, and they've been that futurist so far this season. Another blocked punt, this one for a touchdown, then this PAT. They've got to get that together, or that's going to be the reason they lose games in the future. Yeah, and you know, you bring up the missed punt or the blocked punt and the missed field goal, and those obviously cost Arkansas points. Um, you know, but. But also, I mean, concerning to me, and I made this point on, on our reaction pod with Andy, is that, you know, Fountain looks like he's a guy that was a holdover from this last staff. They can't get lined up. They can't do anything right, it seems like. I mean, how many, how many uh, uh, procedure penalties did we have because we were lined up wrong or illegal, you know, illegal formation penalties do we have on punts just because you couldn't get enough guys on the field? So, um, you know, very, very, dis- you know, it, it's a very disappointing a start for a unit that we thought would be much better because we've waited for years for them to actually pay somebody to coach that position. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially argue that it's worse than it was last year. Like the one yeah. unit out of all of them that's actually worse this season. Yeah, like you said, I, I don't know what the issue is. I, I haven't gone back and looked um, with the magnifying glass specifically enough to know where the procedure issues were coming. But yeah, I mean, they got called for that at least four or five times, I think. And it seems like something that's just mental and simple. I know they have multiple guys going in and out with COVID and injuries. They've had multiple players on each unit. But that's that's just easy, self-inflicted things that cost you field position. And ultimately, when you cost yourself yards, you cost yourself wins. For sure. So let's jump into our players of the game as as we wrap up a little bit of this, uh, the the reaction part of the pod. But uh, who do you have as your offensive player of the game this week? Offensively, I'm going with the guy we mentioned earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the running back Traylon Smith. I, I think he really looked like a like a feature SEC back against Auburn. Uh, sort of shades of you know, old Michael Smith, the smaller guy who's shifty. Michael Smith always played well against Auburn. It seems he's versatile. He's quick. He's a good receiving back. Um, I know he kept multiple drives alive on third down with those screen shovel passes. Um, I, I really think. That with getting Rakeem Boyd back, if that's this week, if not the next week or after the bye week, that's a really, really strong one-two punch that Arkansas should have. And I know they've struggled to run the ball so far, but you'd think with having both of those guys, that unit and that side of the offense should, should improve. For sure, and and that's a good pick. You had a lot of options on the offensive side of the ball. Felipe Franks played right. really well. Traylon played really well. Davion had a good game. Mike Woods had a good game. So I mean, Blake Curtin even had a few big plays in there. So the offense, you know, for for all the issues that we've been concerned with for the offense, you know, obviously they looked much better against Auburn. And uh, for me, my player of the game, I'm going to go with the with the transfer quarterback Felipe Franks. You know, last week we gave him credit for being more of a game manager. He, you know, he he didn't he had a great completion percentage, didn't turn the ball over, did enough offensively to keep Arkansas on the ball in the game and didn't, you know, didn't turn the ball over, didn't take Arkansas out of a game that was a defensive struggle. 
This week, he becomes the difference. I mean, 22 of 30, 318 yards, four touchdowns. He also added 15 carries for 28 yards. Not a great average, but a couple of those scrambles were big. And early in the game, you know, I think part of the issue and part of the problem with the rhythm early was Franks didn't look like he wanted to take off. He tried to sit in the pocket a little too long and uh, and waited too late to either get rid of the ball or try to run, and he took some sacks that he didn't need to. And so – after he started becoming more comfortable with getting out of the pocket and moving around a little bit, he's you know he's not the most fleet of foot. He's not going to be uh, confused for a Matt Jones or someone like that, but he can still move enough to be dangerous, and, and especially with an offensive line that's still filling its way out. So I thought Felipe had a phenomenal game, and I think he showed just what he can be. You know, I think I said it last week. Felipe Franks is the kind of quarterback that's going to win a game for Arkansas the way we need him to win a game for Arkansas, whether that be handed off 30 times to Rakeem Boyd and Traylon Smith or throw it 40 times. He can help Arkansas win either one of those ways, and we feel comfortable with him not making any mistakes. Yeah, he, he was fantastic against Auburn. I, I just keep replaying that, that throw that he had. Obviously, they converted the fourth down to Mike Woods, and then that beautiful pass to, to Davion Warren in the corner of the end zone when you really thought, man, Arkansas has a chance to win this game. And like you said, when, when he realizes that, that he does have the legs to, to extend plays and to get yards himself as a runner, he becomes even more dynamic. Um, I, I, it's been a, a huge blessing for Pittman and staff that, to have brought him over. You can see just how much more he's matured and developed as a quarterback since his time at Florida. He's much more efficient. He's much more safe with the football, but he still has that strong arm isn't afraid to take chances, and he's really got a ton of talent, probably the most talent Arkansas has had in the quarterback since maybe even Ryan Mallett. For sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and he looks, you know, he, he just looks the part. Just a big guy, very cerebral, very smart. And he's a team leader. When you see him up there talking, the, you know, um, I, I got to listen just a little bit tonight. And um, I think he was on the Sam Pittman show. And he, he just he just sounds like the, the guy. So he is definitely a leader of this team. Who knows what's going to happen? Obviously, we'll, we'll bring that up later on in the in the season as far as what his future is, um, because right now I think it's it's you know you, you never know. I mean, this is a guy that if he has a big enough year could could turn some heads at the next level, but he also gets a free year out of the deal too. So uh, we'll see what his future entails. So on the defensive side, I'll go first. You know, I went back and forth on this. My guy Jalen Catalan had a huge game. Ten solo tackles, yeah. 14 total tackles, a pass defended. You know, he, he looked really good other than that one play where, where Seth Williams made him look a little little goofy on a, on a weird-looking <laughs> attempt at a tackle and then a hurdle. Um, but other than that, Catalan had a phenomenal game. But I'm going to go with a guy that, that has become just kind of an unsung hero and, and out of nowhere, and that's uh, the walk-on Hudson Clark. This is a guy that yeah. comes into this game, gets seven tackles. Uh, all seven of them were solo tackles, had one pass defended. And more than anything, you know, he was on Seth Williams for a lot of that game. And you look back at Seth Williams, and Seth Williams in the, ends the game with three catches for 70 yards. And a lot of that was on a crossing route that, you know, that Clark had already passed him off to someone else So, uh, in, in his own coverage. So Clark has been – he's been a huge find for this staff. I mean, you think about – it was funny. I remember last year during that recruiting period when, the, when, when Morris decided to give all of those, uh, those Highland Park walk-ons mm-hmm. uh, a, a spot, a preferred walk-on spot. And I thought, oh, my gosh, here we go. This dude's just throwing offers <laughs> out to whoever wants them. And, Giving them favors. Yeah, and so <laughs> – and and here we are. Hudson Clark is 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 the difference. You and you talked about it. I mean, you know, between Hudson Clark and then, um, you know, you lose uh, Jerry Jacobs, and so 
Um, you end up with Kari Johnson, a freshman, on the other end. And those guys really held their own. I mean, even, you know, I'm going a little off script a little bit, but even, you know, you look at Anthony Schwartz, a guy that really concerns me in these games, 10 catches for 100 yards. That's a big day. But when a guy like Anthony Schwartz is only converting, you know, his, his catches into 10, yard, you know, 10 yards per catch, you've done pretty well because that dude can absolutely fly. Yeah, I mean, that position at cornerback going into the season, I think we thought we had some some depth, but that they've taken such a hit that it really could have dropped off. I mean, Arkansas's defense could have become Swiss cheese back there and getting picked apart by everybody, but somehow, some way, with a walk-on and a true freshman, they're really showing that they belong and that, they, that they're holding their own, especially Hudson Clark. I mean, second game in a row, he was major impact, um, and, and Arkansas is going to continue to need him. Um, throughout the rest of the season for sure so who do you have on the defensive side I'm gonna go with uh, big Jonathan Marshall I know his stats don't really just fly out at you he had six tackles a sack a tackle for, for loss but he just keeps keeps finding himself in the backfield disrupting opposing quarterbacks that guy's strong he's disruptive um, I, I know if you go back and look back on the controversial play where where Bo Nix was was spiking the ball it was actually uh, Jonathan Marshall that really blew that up and, and forced him to, to rush it and, and spike it backwards. I think Jonathan Marshall's really making himself some money this season um, as far as trying to make it to the next level. Marshall was really impressive. And anytime you see a defensive tackle uh, with that muddy of a jersey, you know he's had a good game, and, and he did. He, he was, <laughs> I think, him and, and uh, Traylon Smith ended that game with probably the uh, the muddiest jerseys on the, on the, on the team. And uh, those were two of the bigger workhorses in the game, and they showed it. Yeah, shades of shades of Ty Story a couple years ago when they played at Auburn um, looked like basically a totally green jersey. So I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the production that he's given Arkansas on the interior of the defensive line. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because it's been beat to death, and we'll beat it to death all season every time <laughs> we think about this. But let's talk about the debacle for a minute. I mean, man. I'm going to let you go first because I've had plenty of time to give my thoughts on, on two different shows. So I'm going to let you give your thoughts on this first. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know any other way to call it except for it was totally egregious. I mean, I think that it, it was clearly a fumble snap and a clearly a backwards pass because he spiked the ball behind himself. I mean, the whistle wasn't blown, I don't, I don't believe, until it play, a Razorback player had already touched the ball. And I play like that, like, okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. If you mess it up initially, things move quickly. Maybe it's something you've not, you haven't seen before. They went to replay and they still messed it up. And, and even on that video I saw going around of the official looking at the replay, it really does look like that he saw that they screwed it up, but he still, he just didn't have the guts to make the right call. It seems like he bowed down to the SEC and Sankey and the elite, and the elites that they always favor with the blue bloods. I mean, I know this might be a, oh, we're Arkansas, everyone hates us, conspiracy kind of thing. But, but I mean, that, that was a clear screw job. I mean, I, and then they argue it's not a clear immediate recovery, but then Joe Fouché recovers the ball within two seconds. So it's so subjective. I mean, that seems pretty clear and immediate to me. And I know people have pointed out maybe there's not enough players going after the ball. But there were, there were multiple guys, including Grant Morgan, who was in a chokehold. They didn't call that either. And then you compare it to the Missouri and South Carolina game a year or so back with, with Barry Odom as the coach for Missouri, where South Carolina's quarterback caught a tip pass and then threw it down. Only one player from Missouri went after the ball. Not a single player outside of that went after it. 
That guy didn't cleanly recover it either, and they awarded him a touchdown. So that should have been the precedent that was set at that time, but that's not what went through here. And so I think everybody knows that Arkansas got screwed on this. I mean, you've seen national pundits and and officials from the NFL level, national level, have all come out and said it's a ridiculously wrong call, that they screwed it up. I mean, you could argue that Arkansas has gotten more national attention from, from this, from that play, from losing the game than they would winning. But it still just puts a sour taste in your mouth. Uh, Arkansas should be two and one. I mean, Arkansas is two and one if they make that call. And I know a lot of people have argued, well, they did this. They they were bad on special teams. They they shouldn't have chased the points. I get that. Regardless, despite that, that's part of football. Even with that, if the official makes the correct call, Arkansas is two and one. They're a ranked team, and they have a ton of momentum going into this game against Ole Miss. Well, and somebody made a point, I think it was on social media, that, um, uh, you know, that the that Auburn was allowed to capitalize on a lot of Arkansas mistakes that we talked about. But when Auburn made a big mistake, Arkansas wasn't allowed to capitalize on it, and it was the difference in the game. This was a team that was winning 28-27 to with a Razorback player laying on the football clearly on replay within seconds of a fumble and a whistle blowing. And if you watch the play, if you go back and you watch the play and listen to it, the whistle is blowing as Fouché is falling on the ball. And one yeah. argument that I got into with another Auburn fan was that, well, you know, the, the, the I think it was number 11 maybe for, for Auburn, was standing over top. No, they he was on his knees, and Fouché had the ball wrapped up on the ground, laying on top of it, and 11 or whoever it was for Auburn was on his knees with his, with trying to put a hand on the ball. There, there, was, there was absolutely no question that it was clearly recovered by Arkansas. And, and so – you know, for the arguments, and it was, you know, I, I've posted it. We've, we've talked about it in our group chat and stuff. But, you know, the response by Tim Brando to my argument with that Auburn guy was, was awesome when you think about, you know, just shut up and enjoy the fact that you were given a gift and you know it's a gift. So why argue yeah. it? Yeah, and it, 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 it irks me even more that the SEC put out that statement and basically doubled down and said, this is, this is why we did it. It's the right call. Arkansas, you better like it. I mean. I just and that doesn't even go into the into the effect of talking about that ten second runoff because from what I've heard, I mean Arkansas should have been able to decline that whatever penalty that was and decline the ten second runoff to have more time once they got the ball back. That was denied there as well, so Arkansas didn't really have a chance to score after that. It was just so absurdly screwed up, and I understand maybe you haven't seen that before. But, but you have. I mean, that Missouri-South Carolina play, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same precedent. And, and they should have gone by that. They should have found a way to figure it out. You call yourself the best conference. You should have the best rest. Arkansas got royally screwed. It just A lot of times it feels like Arkansas loves the SEC, but I don't know if the SEC will ever truly love it back. Yeah, for sure. And, and and to go back to your point on the uh, on the national exposure part of it, you know, you and I were talking about that in, in in via text and in our group chat. You know, to me, it's huge for Arkansas because the the you know the perception of this program is that it's that they've got no talent, that they're terrible, that you know they they you know, that Chad Morris shouldn't have been fired because he didn't have time to bring enough talent on the roster. Blah blah, all this crap. 
And, and, you know, now people have seen, you know, there's there's a lot of talent on this team. You know, yeah, sure, we're missing some spots, and we've got some guys playing over their heads, but there's talent on this team, and it's showing out, and the, and, and the difference is coaching right now. So, you know, Arkansas really buys a lot of good pub out of this deal. Um, everybody, I think, still the jury for Auburn is, you know, kind of out on on Chad Morris, but I think the rest of the country yeah. has uh, has seen the, you know, the real deal there and, and knows – you know Auburn's just struggling right now. I thought it was pretty funny today when, uh, and I, you know, context of the of the comment I think would be great. But you know, uh, Muschamp comes out today and says, "Well, it's obvious that Chad Morris is calling the plays at Auburn." So uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty good stuff. So you know, Arkansas wins the when you know they lose on the scoreboard technically thanks to the refs, but in the in the court of public opinion, Arkansas won this game and and, and it looks good for the university. Yeah, and, and that's the. As fans and onlookers, uh, we can still harp on stuff like this. I don't think that the team is. I think Pittman has gotten them to move on. At least I hope so. I mean, obviously, you don't want this to turn into two losses and let Ole Miss beat you. Um, but it has been good to see people say positive things about Arkansas and side with Arkansas. And it's been kind of funny seeing any sort of Auburn fan try to argue in, in, in the opposite. They they got a gift. Just take the gift and move on. They continue to be arguably the luckiest program in the history of college football with all the gifts they've ever gotten. Um, but hopefully it means that they get stuck with Gus and Chad for even longer. Yeah, that would be great. So moving on to Ole Miss, it's that week. It's Lane Kiffin. It is Ooh, uh, Lane Train. Yeah, the Lane Train is um, maybe chugging into Fayetteville this weekend. And uh, yeah, boy, we'll see. They came, they're coming off one heck of a football game that, that had zero defense played in it. Um, <laughs> I think I saw a stat that – out of the total number of yards that Alabama could have gained, I think Ole Miss like only stopped forty-one of them. Like forty-one, yeah, unbelievable. Oh, uh, Alabama ends up with seven hundred and twenty-three total yards, four seventeen passing, and three hundred six rushing. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. I'm sure those numbers have happened, but holy cow, four seventeen and three hundred six, and, and then Ole Miss on the other side though against you know an Alabama defense that I think most knew was was struggling a little bit this year, but holy cow, not to this extent. 647 total yards, 379 passing, and almost 300 rushing for Ole Miss. So, I mean, 57 rushing attempts. Ole Miss averages almost five yards a carry. Um, so, but, but on the flip side of that, Alabama f- averaged almost eight yards a carry. So, you know, we're going to see some interesting things from Ole Miss this week, a team that went 9 of 17 on third down and 4 for 4 on fourth down. Um, and, and so – Offensively, Ole Miss looks really scary. Yeah, I know when we picked this game last last week on the pod, I joked that that Alabama might have 700 yards of offense, and, and I was right. Yeah, you were. Uh, but I I wasn't expecting that Ole Miss might almost would have as well. So I mean, that was a shootout of epic proportions. Like you said, defense was optional, and both teams declined. Um, that <laughs> they combined for 1,370 offensive yards. I mean, that's crazy. 796 yards passing, 574 rushing. Obviously, the, the big story on Alabama is Mac Jones continues to, to throw all over the place. But but Najee Harris had a big breakout game, earned for over 200 yards. But just but I think people came out of this game talking even more about Ole Miss because they did hang with them for most of the game. It was close into the fourth quarter until Bama pulled away. And and, and while like you said, I don't think this is an Alabama defensive hole by any means. To be honest, if you, if you step back and look at the SEC as a whole, there haven't been too many defenses outside of Georgia that, 
that have that, and even Arkansas might be in that conversation that have performed very well. Um, but but Saban Saban moves on to twenty one and zero against former assistants, three and zero on the year. Ole Miss falls to one and two. But like you said, that that offense is completely dynamic. Yeah, and it was interesting. We talked with Brandon Marcello earlier uh, before football season. We were talking about different teams, and and of course I've been bullish on Ole Miss just because it's Ole Miss, and I'm, I just don't like Ole Miss. And there was a yeah. lot of interesting things that came out over the off season. You know, the 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 issue with the kicker and making the mayor of Oxford mad. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was even a rumor on the 24-7 boards that Ole Miss was already banging some some co-ed and that he was going to get fired. So, you know, the offseason <laughs> was typical lane fashion with all kinds of drama. Yeah. And then they come out. But well, the one thing Brandon Marcello said was, I think Ole Miss will be a lot better because of the fact that Lane's coming in to fix the passing game. They already had a rushing game. They've got they got talent Snoop Connor, uh Jerry and Ely. They've got talent on the in in the running, you know, back at running back and so, you know, the question has been for them, can they get the passing game fixed? And that's what Lane Kiffin does. And and boy, did they call just one heck of a game last week and bigger concern to me will be their tempo against our defense. Yeah, I know going into that that Mississippi State game earlier in the year, I was really scared about their offense um, after they had beat up on LSU. That that obviously seems more like a fluke at this time. Um, I'm even more terrified of this Ole Miss offense because they do it both ways. I mean, they can throw the ball and they can run the ball. And like you said, they like to do a lot of similar things that Arkansas does as far as the hurry up, up tempo. But right now they're doing it a little bit, I mean, a little bit better, probably a lot better. Um, they're clicking on all cylinders. They do a lot of the, the window dressing type things with the motion misdirection, where's the ball. Um, they'll use John Rice Plumley, the backup quarterback, sometimes in running situations. But, but Matt Corral can really throw the ball, and he can run. So we know how Arkansas has handled uh, dual-threat quarterbacks in the past. The defense is going to have its hands full. Uh, they're probably the, the second most dynamic offense Arkansas will face all year outside of maybe Alabama. So going back to 2010, Arkansas is – technically 8-2 and two against Ole Miss. If you take the 2012-2013 games that Ole Miss had to vacate because of NCAA penalties, <laughs> then Arkansas, when you know we, we can give ourselves, quote-unquote, two wins there. So Arkansas on a roll there for a while had won eight straight in the series if you take those two out. So and then but then Ole Miss in the last two weeks or last two years, of course the game in Little Rock really close. Uh, Ole Miss took you know ended up winning at thirty seven to thirty three in a game that Chad Morris really should have won. And then uh, and then last year you know Ole Miss you know took care of business thirty one seventeen by far the widest margin of any of the games since two thousand and fourteen. I don't expect this game to be much different in terms of numbers. I think this will be a close game. Um, I think these two teams will play very, you know, very close to each other, at least I hope. And, um, you know, I, the series will continue to be a close one. Arkansas leads the all-time series 35-28-1, and um, hopefully this week will be week, you know, win number 36. Yeah, I mean, the matchups between these two teams always seem to be a little bit wacky. I mean, you think about the 4th the and 25 with the Henry Heave and they kept Ole Miss out of, out of the SEC title game. I'm sure they're still really bitter about that. I mean, that was a high-scoring thriller. Um, the, the game in Fayetteville that Arkansas won where Chad Kelly ran on fourth down and Santos Ramirez forced the fumble. And even the last time that Arkansas beat them in 2017, I mean, it was I believe it was the biggest comeback. I don't know if it's just SEC comeback, but in school history, they were 24 points down. Uh, Lemford hit that game-winning field goal to win 38-37. So, I expect some crazy things to happen. I expect a lot of points. 
time. And, and like you said, I think it's going to be a close game. And, and, and I, honestly, I think it's a toss-up either way. So effective injuries in COVID, I'm hoping you're a little more locked into this. Obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about um, what's been going on in terms of the injuries with Arkansas, and, and we've got a really long list of guys that are that could potentially <laughs> miss time in this game. Um, you know, obviously, Burks and Boyd are the big names. Uh, guys like Dorian Gerald, Bumper Poole, Jerry Jacobs, um, you know, Monteric Brown. I mean, big-time names that in a, in a yeah. game like this where – the most important piece of what's going to happen in this game is tempo. Arkansas is going to have to have depth in this game, or it could get away from them. And not because Ole Miss is that much better, but just because depth-wise, Arkansas may not be able to keep up on the field if they're running, you know, if they're running the, the tempo that they were able to get into against Alabama. Yeah, I mean, Sam Pittman has mentioned recently Arkansas is a banged-up team right now, and and obviously we've we've mentioned that that Lane Kiffin came out today and said that that Ole Miss has had some COVID issues. If they had to play today, they'd be able to, but who knows with the pending test throughout the rest of the week. I don't really know how, how their injury concerns are at the time, but I think that their co- the COVID problems they're having are more on the defensive end, which would make that unit even worse. As far as injuries on Arkansas' side, like you said, with, Tra- with Traylon Burks, I honestly expect to get Burks and Boyd back this weekend if there's a game. Um, I think Montreux Brown has a good shot of playing as well as Jerry Jacobs. So I do think Arkansas is going to get back some pieces. I don't think that Dorian Gerald is, is coming back. I don't know. Um, he's going to need to keep continue to sit out. I don't know exactly what the prognosis is there, but I think a bye week will help him. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if we heard about Noah. I don't know if you know about Noah Gatlin. I know he got banged up on the first play. Um, last game and, and bumper pool not having him is worrisome if he's not able to go this weekend like you said with the amount of snaps that they'll probably have to play uh, the tempo on defense Arkansas is already thin at linebacker um, so hopefully he's he's able to go otherwise they're going to need a lot of guys like like Hayden Henry or Andrew Parker Deion Stewart guys or not Deion Stewart um, I'm blanking on his name um, other guys like that to step up at that position at a spot where they're already thin in depth and talent. Yeah, losing a guy like Bumper would be really big. And, and to be honest, watching the way he played last week, you know, I hope the treatment and, and things have helped this week, but I would not be surprised if we don't see him him suit up this week just because of the situation. Um, that's a guy that you've got a bye week coming up after this. You can get mm-hmm. him healthy, and um, sure, you absolutely need him this week. But, again, we saw last week where at times he was a liability. I mean, he'd be right in the hole to tackle. And, again, we know Bixby was, was tough to tackle last week, but – there was some opportunities there where he, you know, if, if that's a healthy bumper pool, Bixby's not breaking that tackle. And, and so, um, you know, that was concerning. So I really hope that bumper is, is healthy, at least as close to 100% as he can be. Uh, and if not, then obviously, yeah, that's a, that's a huge concern, especially when you think about you brought a guy in like Levi Draper who you hoped would provide some instant depth, and he's, you know, he's yeah. out, had, had shoulder surgery now. So right. um, who, I'm assuming we may not see him at all this year, um, and that's a big assumption because I don't know the, the, the specifics, but um, doesn't sound good. And so, you know, hopefully on the defensive side of the ball we get those pieces back. On the offensive side of the ball – you talk about Burks and Boyd back. You know, we talked about the offense. Did Bryles finally find his rhythm last week against Auburn? And more importantly, can this running game take another step forward? I know that numbers-wise, it wasn't, you know, off the charts. I think in total it was like two yards per carry, something like that. That's what Arkansas ended up with. But 
Traylon Smith on the other side of that, I think averaged right around four yards of carry or five yards of carry, something in that in that range. That's a number you can live with. And this is an Ole Miss defense that obviously this is not an Alabama offense, but this is an Ole Miss defense that gave up eight yards of carry to Alabama. Surely Arkansas can be in the four or five yard, you know, per carry range. And if they can, then I think Bryles does continue to show that he's finding rhythm. And like you said, instead of sticking to script and running the cutesy plays, he can really, you know, he can really go with what he's seeing and, and work with what he's seeing. And getting some of these pieces back will help tremendously. A hundred percent. I know we touched on some of that earlier on, but it really does feel like he's getting more comfortable with the guys that he has out there and, and what SEC defenses are like and, and what he's saying and being able to adapt to that. Um, I think I've been calling for this multiple times in our past pods. I wanted him to, to, to vary the tempo because it felt like Arkansas was continuing to go hurry up, no huddle, regardless of the circumstance. I mean, if, if you get hit in the backfield on first down, I really don't see any reason to go hurry up on that next play and then get stuck again. And then before you know it, you got a 30-second three and out. It, it seemed like he, he adapted and, and made it to where he waited for them to have a productive play, and then they went hurry up to keep the defense on their toes. I'd like to see him continue to do that um, in future games. And as far as the running game, yeah, I mean, Arkansas did, did a better job. They actually dropped one spot um, from number 71 to number 72 nationally in yards. They're averaging only 86 yards per game. But but if they get Boyd back and then have Traylon Smith and Boyd together, Boyd is a home run hitter. Smith is more of that shifty, better receiver. I think that's a pretty dynamic duo. And as we said, I mean, if there's ever been a, a chance to, to have a get-right game with the rushing game, it's, it's this one against Ole Miss. They're dead last in power five. I mean, they're giving up 303.3 yards per game. Wow. They gave up nearly 200 to Florida. They gave up over 300 to Alabama. And they gave up 408 rushing yards to Kentucky. So if Arkansas can't run the ball this weekend against Ole Miss, they're going to really need to do some soul searching and go back to the drawing board on that one. Yeah, it, no doubt. And and one thing you know that I want to see out of this offense is uh, is this team find a killer instinct. So one thing that bothered me, obviously, you know, everybody wants to talk about the Hornsby the Hornsby possession and, and what went into that. But I think what concerned me and bothered me more than that was you know I made the point after they after Auburn missed the the first field goal that I wish they would have made it because I feel like Arkansas would have kept putting the pressure on the on the Auburn defense. And at least mm-hmm. try to drive down the field and take some time off the clock and maybe, you know, attempt a game-winning field goal of our own or score a touchdown. Instead, we, we went into that, you know, that three-minute offense, four-minute offense, hoping to run the clock out, took the foot off the gas, and a team that was averaging two yards a carry, we did exactly what we did. I mean, we just didn't move the ball. We lost yardage, I think, on the first play, got a little bit of it back, then the, 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 the called quarterback draw for Franks, and that was it. And I think we, we ran after the three timeouts. We ran like 20 seconds off the clock. So I hope that that's something that they've really worked on this week in practice is develop that killer instinct. Let's not take it for granted. This is not a team yet that is built to just run it down your throat in a three- or four-minute offense and, 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 and melt the game away. Now, Maybe against an an Ole Miss team, they could potentially do that. But, you know, if Arkansas does that last week, then we're not even talking about the officials right now because Arkansas is up enough that the officials can't take the game away from us. So that, to me, is a big piece that I'd like to see out of this offense. You know, that's something that's got to be developed over time. And so, obviously, we won't see – I don't think we would see, you know, that fixed immediately. But it's something that I hope we start seeing a little more of and that this team, you know, takes a little more – uh, you know, a little more issue with putting more points on the board and putting the game away. Yeah, it's, it's 
sort of that age-old predicament on do you play to win or you play not to lose. I mean, you really wish Browse would have stuck with what got them to that point. I mean, even even if it's a short passing game, don't completely go away from Franks. I mean, he had the hot hand. He's the one that got you to that point where you were in a position to win the game. And like you said, they just went straight up running up the middle. I mean, I think they got stuck in the backfield on the first play and just continued to run the ball. So you got to have that killer instinct. I mean, teams get conservative, and, and more times than not, when you do that, it ends up backfiring on you. So in a game like this where there is going to be a lot of pressure probably on the offense to, to keep up and to score points, they're not, they're not ever going to really have an opportunity to take their foot off the pedal. Yeah, and I think really important to that point, too, is that we have a quarterback that we know we can trust. Um, right. you know, unlike the last few years, it's been very questionable. But you've got a guy you can trust. You know that Franks is not going to put you in a bad position, and, and so he's going to make the right choices. So it was a little surprising that they didn't try to just drive it down the field and, and put the game away. So, um, But, you know, we'll see. So is Ole Miss's offense for real? I think they are. I, I mean, I know that we have a pretty small sample size, but, I mean, they've played Florida and Alabama. Now, we've, we've said this before. I, I don't think either of those teams have, have the defenses they normally have. I think Florida's defense in particular has gotten kind of exposed lately. Um, but if you just straight up look at the numbers, I mean, number two in the nation in total offense, 573 yards a game, number 24 in rushing offense, number four in passing. So they're just incredibly balanced. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball, unlike Mississippi State, which can really only wants to throw the ball. And they've done it against arguably two of the best three teams in the conference. I mean, they have a solid quarterback who can run and pass. Uh, you mentioned Ely and Snoop Connor earlier. That's a that's a, a two-headed monster in the backfield. And they just what, the thing that surprised, surprised me the most when I watched them, especially I saw them more in, in their first game against Florida, they just have a lot of weapons out space they have a lot of speed they're not afraid to throw the ball to the to the back side of the backfield um, they have multiple receivers that can hurt you including Elijah Moore I know tight end Kenny Yaboa really broke out against Alabama also have Mingo and Drummond uh, they're tough I mean Arkansas I, I trust uh, Barry Odom because we've seen he can come up with a scheme that that can slow down some of the some top offenses uh, but he's going to really have his work cut out for him you can't just you can't just rush three and drop eight against a team like this. So they're going to need to be multiple. They're going to need to get pressure. They're going to need to know where the ball is, and they're going to need to tackle, like you said before. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I think this offense is for real. I mean, we knew they could run. As I said before, we knew they could run coming into the season, and, and Lane Kiffin's done his thing and coming in and uh, and doing a great job on the offensive side of the ball to really kind of turn things around. Um, you know, they, they've got some principles of what Browse is going to want to do eventually, I think, on offense for Arkansas. Um, but they've just got – they've got a lot of talent, a lot of speed. Um, you, you talked we, – we've talked about Connor and Ely and, and what they can do in the backfield. And the thing is, is, you know, you think about how good this defense was against Mississippi State and the fact that, you know, we, we kind of made – you know, set the blueprint of the rush three drop eight and, and Mississippi State never adjusted and tried to run the ball. Um, you know, and then last week against Auburn, I thought, you know, maybe some of that, you know, you, you saw, I think there's a clip of, uh, of Nick's coming off the field screaming and hollering about the fact that Arkansas knew what they were doing on every play. Right. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, you know, the, the difference here is that, you know, Arkansas is going to have a tough time making Ole Miss one dimensional into something they don't do well. They can run the ball if they want to. They can throw the ball if they want to. And then when you mix the tempo in with that, with how quickly they want to move the ball, 
that's a really concerning thing for a defense that's still trying to yeah. get all their pieces in. So, yeah, this Ole Miss offense is 100% for real. And uh, as much as I hate giving Ole Miss credit, this is going to be a really tough game for Arkansas. Uh, the, the folks that are, you know, just jumping on this as a W, um, you know, let's, let's, let's take a step back. We, we love what we see from Arkansas, but this could be a game that could be really difficult for Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, they, they performed well enough against Alabama that you had Saban crying that they knew their defensive signal. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you don't hear that very often. So this offense, against against two of the better teams, they've been dominant. They, they could for sure be dominant again on Saturday if Arkansas doesn't come prepared. So let's talk about the uh, the big piece here. Obviously, Kiffin, the the, the connection here. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately took an egg over the head for this pick, thinking that Kiffin would be an Arkansas Razorback head coach uh, back in you know, when we when we had the coaching search going, and um, you know, a, a video that's gotten thousands upon thousands of views on our Facebook page. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I was everybody I talked to. Kiffin was the man. Kiffin's coming to Arkansas. Um, I feel you know I don't have a lot of connections and inside folks but um, when it comes to coaching searches I actually have a couple people that I really really trust that get usually have always gotten really good info and uh, you know this thing it looked like it was it was Kiffin's job and, and I truly still believe that it was Kiffin's job until the until the, the 13th hour or until the 11th hour however you want to put that but you know Pittman versus Kiffin so far boy when you think about what both of these head coaches had to do coming into these new programs I think they've both done a great job yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that I believe Lane Kiffin was every bit going to be the Razorback coach. I mean, I think his, his agent, Jimmy Sexton, probably played some games that Hunter Yurchek didn't want to play, and then that just all fell apart. Um, but but like you said, I mean, leading up into the season, uh, before the season started, I honestly think Sam Pittman looked like he was the better hire. He hired a better overall staff, had a much better recruiting class, I felt like more enthusiasm and fan support, and obviously you mentioned some of the things that Lane Kiffin did. But yeah, once the season started, I think both guys have made tremendous strides with both programs. Uh, I mean, they're, they're two very opposite people. Uh, Pittman kind of represents the, the more of a stability, blue-collar work, being a genuine guy, while Kiffin is more of that, that egocentric, look-at-me, flash, gimmicky type of thing. I mean, will Kiffin stick around? I, I don't know. I mean, especially with an agent like Jimmy Sexton, you know, his name's going to be floated in, in every single rumor of, of a coach opening. Is he going to take that next big opening? I don't know. But from, from now, from this point so far, I think he's done a really nice job at Ole Miss. And obviously Pittman has as well. Yeah, I agree. I, and like I said, I, I don't know. I think if you if you tried to put grades on both, you'd probably have to grade them both about the same because it, yeah. and really, you know, like I said, what what Pittman's done, and obviously I, we're biased a little bit here, but what Pittman's yeah. done is, is, is nothing short of phenomenal when you just consider how bad Arkansas has been for the last couple of years. So, you know, that's huge. Uh, so keys for Arkansas to beat Ole Miss. I know we've, we've knocked on a few of these things, but uh, – on the offensive side of the ball, what do you think are the keys for Arkansas to get this victory? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I know you don't don't typically want to get into a shootout, but I'm afraid this might be what what this game is going to end up being. So you got to score. I mean, Ole Miss can score with the best of them, uh, and even a, an improved Arkansas defense is probably going to give up plenty of points, plenty of yards. So the offense is going to need to sustain drives. You can't. You can't have the sluggish start like you had at the beginning where you're going three and out and punting on five straight possessions because you could find yourself down three or four scores early. So you got to sustain drives. 
Uh, I think that goes along with get the running game going. I mean, like we said, Ole Miss is the worst rushing defense in the nation. 196 rushing yards is the fewest that they've surrendered so far this year. you got to run the ball. Time of possession is important. Arkansas has gotten better with time of possession as the season's gone along. You need to get Boyd and Smith going. I mean, it's possible they could both go for over 100 yards against this type of defense. And you need to take care of the football. No silly turnovers, no interceptions or fumbles that give Ole Miss offense more opportunities um, and, and better field position. And just do your best to keep the Ole Miss offense off the field as best as you can. Yeah, so number one for me is no slow starts. This team's got to get off to a fast start. You you mentioned it there, but if you start off like you did against Auburn or even the, the, the previous two games this season, you, Arkansas could find themselves down you know, 28, 30 points pretty quick. So Arkansas yeah. has got to be careful here early, and they've got to move the ball early. You know, if you get the ball first, get down and score a touchdown. Your first drive's got to be points. You know, the old adage, I think, this, I think the first time I ever heard this was back when, when Brett was here, but the, uh, you know, end every possession with a kick. Um, you know, whether no, in other words, no turnovers. Let's let's put the ball in the end zones. Let's get points, and at worst case scenario, let's just punt and let's not get it blocked. Let's. I was going to say that's that's not necessarily best case scenario for the team. Yeah. So far this year. Yeah, we would rather not punt at all in this game if we can. Um, but yeah, I would I would prefer if we have to that we actually execute it properly. We get everybody lined up. Let's not put ten guys on the field for a punt. Let's put eleven guys in their positions the proper alignment, and let's actually get the punts off. And then you, you made this point as well. Run the dang ball. Run the ball. I, you know, I, That's I, literally what I put. Run the dang ball. That's <laughs> what I put on my, on my notes. <laughs> I, I want to see Franks chuck some. Franks is going to have his opportunities. You saw, you know, Ole Miss was able – or, uh, you know, Alabama was able to get some guys wide open at times. Arkansas is going to have opportunities, and especially if you've got Burks back, you know, to be able to combine Burks, Woods, and, uh, and, and Davion in there at the same time on the field at the same time is is a dangerous combination for Arkansas with a guy like Frank. So, you know, but you got to be able to run the football, if anything, just to slow down the Ole Miss offense somewhat. Mm-hmm. So on the defensive side, for me, tackle. I mean, yeah. this game is extremely important. Tackle in space because Ole Miss wants to get in space. So tackle in space they're going to get their yards. I mean, you're not going to stop Ole Miss from getting their yards in this game. This isn't going to be like the Mississippi State game where at the end of the game, uh, you know, they're just now going over 300 yards of, you know, of offense. This is going to be a game where Ole Miss is going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. Keep everything in front of you. Make the tackles. We cannot see what we saw last week. And then depth. You know, we've got to get some guys back. This is a game that, you know, we while we've we've been impressed with what the depth has been able to do, this is one of those games where depth's going to become very important because, as we've talked about, Ole Miss wants to go at a frenetic pace, and that, that tempo will get Arkansas in a hurry if, if the depth and, and we don't have some of these guys back. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't have much to add because I literally put tackle in space uh, down on my notes. <laughs> that, 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 I think that's 100% what they're going to have to do. Like you said, they did not tackle well against Auburn. And, and this isn't the same as Mississippi State where, like we said, you, you can't rush three and drop eight. But they can try to do a good job of keeping guys in front of them, swarm to the ball, and then make the play. you got to have multiple guys at the ball just in case they have some broken tackles. They're going to need to be really disciplined with their eyes and knowing where the ball is because Ole Miss likes to do a lot of motion, a lot of misdirection-type plays that can really get you. So be disciplined, do your job, 
cover your area or your man and make the play when, when your opportunity comes. All right. So on to our official picks. I think this is my week to go first. So at the risk of upsetting all of Razorback Nation that's listening to this podcast, I'm picking Ole Miss. Oh. The reason I'm picking Ole Miss is I think some things we've talked about in this game concern me highly. Number one, depth. I know we hope to get some guys back. Um, how you know how healthy are those guys? These are guys that have missed two weeks. You know they're probably not exactly a hundred percent. You're coming back into a game where you're going to be pressed. Uh, you're going to be pressured nonstop on the defensive side of the ball. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think Arkansas will do great. I think this game will be high scoring. I think Arkansas is going to. You know, this is a game, like you said, this is a game to fix the running game. This is a game to fix the offense and really get browse. You know, in in this offense in a good rhythm. But defensively, this one does concern me for a couple of reasons. One, the tempo and the depth for Arkansas. Uh, you know, two is without bumper pool and without really a, you know, I know for all that, that Morgan has been and those guys have been, they've been great. There's a lot of space, there's a lot of speed that's going to be coming out of the backfield and, and off the edges for this, for this Ole Miss offense. And that scares me. And, and I think this is a game where Ole Miss is going to be able to get in the end zones one or two more times in Arkansas. And, and I just I think that Ole Miss is able to pull this off as much as I hate it. I'm going to go Ole Miss 45, Arkansas 38. Okay. I, I respect it. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, uh, but I am going to disagree with you, which is something we don't do very often. Yes! <laughs> um, I, I went back and forth on this, and obviously, like I said, I do think that this is pretty much a toss-up game. Um, but, but you have Arkansas who's coming off that, that heartbreaking loss where they had a victory snatched from them. They really should be riding high 2-1 and one with, with two straight road wins over top 15 teams. I went back, and, and Arkansas hasn't won two straight SEC games since 2015. I think they won three in a row that year. So this this would have been unprecedented. But they didn't get that victory, so obviously you got to take that into effect. But the offense seems to be hitting its stride. It's making steps. And, and the defense did take a step back a little bit. Um, Hogs are banged up. I, I agree with you on all those things. Ole Miss is, is the second most dynamic offense they'll face this year. So I'm with you. There's a lot of stuff that, that, that's not looking good for Arkansas. And there's a lot of questions. I mean, can Arkansas score enough points to keep up? Can they use the ball control and get the, get the running game going to keep their offense off the field? Will Pittman beat another of the first-year SEC head coaches like he did with Leach? And will the game even be played? I mean, who knows? So I predict a really big game for Franks in the running game. I think Arkansas could possibly have close to two 100-yard rushers. I think it's going to be a barn burner. I think it's going to be a shootout. And I really don't know how much Ole Miss is affected by, by the COVID that Lane Kiffin mentioned. But I think it's going to be enough for Arkansas to make enough plays, and they're going to be disruptive enough to, to force a turnover or two that turns the tide. I think that they eke out a win at home, and I think they break their – I think it's a 12-game SEC home losing streak, and I, I'm going to pick Arkansas to win 48-42. I like it. I like it. And I'm going to put an asterisk next to mine, and I'll take my loss if, if Ole Miss – and I will happily take my loss if Ole Miss wins this one. Oh, for sure. But I will – I get it. I'm going to put one asterisk beside this, and you made the point. The COVID thing is interesting. If – you know, who knows if Lane Kiffin's just playing games here. I don't know. I right. hope not. You would hope he wouldn't play games with COVID, but it's exactly something that, that, that a guy like Lane Kiffin would do. Um, and so 
who are those guys? I mean, because exactly, I don't know if Matt Corral's a guy. If for as good as uh, as John Rice Plumley is, if Corral's the guy that's out, that changes a lot of things for Ole Miss. If if a guy like Ely's out or Snoop or Snoop Connor's one of the guys out, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not worried about Ole Miss's defense, but on the offensive side of the ball, if you've got a couple of big time names that can't make it in this game because of whether it's they're they're positive or because they've been in contact with people that were. Then that obviously changes a lot because you know Arkansas has. I think Arkansas has got a much better chance in that scenario. So um, you know, and we'll see. I mean, Lane Kiffin. You know, so far, um, you know, he he he's not positive, but obviously Nick Saban is, and and they they yeah. shared a little little embrace and time on the on the middle of the field. Now you would assume that Saban maybe contracted that after the weekend, but. Hey, you never know if contact tracing goes back and Kiffin's got to sit out. That makes that's another issue that that mm-hmm. uh, plays in Arkansas's favor. But at this point, I just I think this is one of those games. You know, we, and I said that about Matt Corral too. But you know, one thing that scares me is I don't think Arkansas's got a linebacker on this team that can spy Corral or John Rice Plumley, <laughs> and. and that's something that has hurt Arkansas in the in, in the past as well. So, but man, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you are too. I, I'm not judging you for your pick. I think that that's definitely a possibility. Arkansas does have have a lot of question marks, especially with the injuries and everything on defense. And, and Ole Miss is just rolling on the offensive side of the ball, so they could very well beat Arkansas. Um, I'm just I'm believing in, in in the pit boss, and I, I think that he gets gets the home win and, and breaks the streak on Saturday. All right, on to the SEC picks, and I failed us. I didn't get a chance to go back. I've, I've honestly been – I went, like, straight vacation mode this week, even though I'm technically okay. not on vacation yet. But I swear, I promise, we will. I will have everything compiled by next week, and we will see where we stand. But let's start with Auburn at South Carolina, and I'll go first on this one. I'm taking South Carolina in this game, a team that I've, oh. been, I've been against – but they've done some things in the past few weeks that's at least made me feel better. And and look, I'm picking against Chad Morse every opportunity I get. When, <laughs> right now, Auburn's a three-point favorite. But, you know, so far this year, Colin Hills looked pretty good, 69 of 110 for almost 700 yards passing, three touchdowns. You know, South Carolina's kind of got the players that have got the numbers in this game. And uh, I like South Carolina to win this game straight up. I think it's a touchdown game, I, but I like South Carolina to win this game. Okay, okay. I, I was a little bit surprised that Auburn was only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, only because of name recognition. But I'm going to continue the theme that we're having on this pod for whatever reason, and I'm going to disagree with you. All right. I think that I think that Auburn should be reeling after a one-and-two – should be one-and-two after that home loss to Arkansas they should have had. The fans still aren't happy. I don't think they want Gus and Chad around. And like you said, I mean, South Carolina has shown some offense. Uh, and Auburn hasn't been very impressive so far, but I think that I think that Tank Bigsby is a monster. Um, I think he he and the defense will be the difference. I think it will be a close game, but I think that Auburn just has the better athletes, and I think that they they win by by a touchdown. All right, Kentucky at Tennessee. Who you got? So here we got. I think Tennessee's like a six point favorite or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the Vols. The Vols really got up for that Georgia game and, and held their own for the first half, and then they kind of got dominated down the stretch of that one. Um, Kentucky piggybacked off Arkansas's blueprint and pretty much embarrassed Mike Leach. I mean, held them to two points. Um, I still just don't think Kentucky has enough offense. I think the Vols are definitely an improved team. They're not all the way back, but they're a solid team. 
Um, I think this is going to be a good game. I think that Tennessee wins on a last-second field goal. So Tennessee, like you said, six-point favorite. I'm gonna. So I'm gonna agree with you on Tennessee winning, but this is my blowout of the weekend. I think okay. ten, I think Tennessee wins this by three touchdowns. I, Kentucky just has no offense, and I think Tennessee's going to be mad about how they performed in the second half in in a game that you know, <laughs> that they kind of controlled in the first half against Georgia, and and Georgia made some great adjustments at halftime to come out in the second half and play much better. But for me, I like this. I, I think Tennessee wins this game without too much of an issue. Kentucky just man, they're awful on offense. They can't throw the ball. <laughs> they are. They are. You're right. They're just they're atrocious, and they they're pretty good defensively. They're going to do some things, but right now everybody's shutting down. Everybody's shutting down Mississippi State, other than LSU, and, and so yeah. I, that's not a huge surprise to me. And you know, we'll talk about that in a second. If we're going to that game next, but um, you know, to me, I just don't I don't see this game close at all. Um, all right, Texas A and M number eleven. Texas A and M coming off a huge upset uh, over Florida, where they had about seventy five thousand people in the stands in College Station um, at Mississippi State, where you'll hear about twelve cowbells this weekend. And uh, <laughs> this game to me is another one that I just think the snide continues for Mississippi State. I don't. Mike Leach is is too stubborn to this point to 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 run the ball with what's supposed to be one of the best running backs in the SEC in Kylan Hill, and instead he just wants to chuck the ball ten thousand times and throw six interceptions. Um, I don't. I, I just so far, and then on top of that, you know, we talked about this earlier in in, in, in earlier in the season. You know, the one thing that's always bugged me about Mike Leach is when things start going bad, Mike Leach will throw his team under the bus, and he went and yep. did it already. He already said, yep. well, we got to find some guys that are going to want to play. and you know, So you're already dogging your players. You're already setting yourself up for some locker room issues in a, in a, you know, in a program that's had their issues already. To me, I, don't, I think A&M, you know, is, you know, I, I was on the A&M bandwagon to start the year. Their first couple of performances were, were very concerning. You know, they, they took advantage of a really bad defense for Florida, but their offense got going, and I think their offense will get going against Mississippi State again, and I think their defense, which is, it is a really good defense. It didn't show it against Florida, but they've got a lot of talent on that defense. I think they have zero problems with Mississippi State this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I think my, most, my notes are really similar. Um, I was a little bit annoyed by that, that upset they had over Florida, mainly because I think that, Texas A&M, now they think that they've really arrived. And, and maybe they have. I'm not sure. I do think that Florida's defense is really suspect. And like you mentioned, there's no way that Kyle Field had the correct limited capacity that they were supposed to. But that's, that's a different story for another time. Uh, maybe I owe some sort of apology to Kellen Mond. I mean, he, he had a great game. He impressed me. He played really well. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, Mike Leach, that, that bandwagon that all of a sudden they created after the first week is – is as losing wheels left and right. He's already pointing fingers. He's throwing players under the bus. I, I think this is a, at least a two-score win by, by Texas A&M. So LSU avoids another blowout this week because they don't have to play Florida. <laughs> and uh, the garbage bowl gets postponed to the end of the season with Vanderbilt and Missouri, so we don't have to talk about right. those two. And the no. game of the week in the SEC, 
Georgia at Alabama, which just got a little more interesting because Nick Saban will not – well, he'll be coaching, but not from the sidelines. Um, <laughs> did you see the quote – or did you see the tweet? I guess that – was that his daughter that tweeted out? She said, I'm, I'm allowed to say this, but apparently he was coaching from a Zoom conference call. Zoom. Yeah. yeah, and had a manager go in and tell him to rerun plays if he didn't like the way they were ran. <laughs> so Nick Saban just doing Nick Saban things as always – this game's intriguing, though, man. Georgia's defense is really, really good, and it's a defense that can shut down what Alabama wants to do. I think this might be that moment where that record goes to, what, 21-1 and one now, and, a, and an ex-assistant of Saban gets the win. Four-point favorites are Alabama, but they got some turmoil, and I think there's going to be a lot to be said. I don't care if Saban is coaching from a TV box and, or from, a, from, from, you know, from his TV watching on Zoom – the fact is, is that you know there's a big difference when Saban's not the guy patrolling that sideline, screaming and, and chewing up, chewing out uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. And so, um, I like Georgia in this game. I think it's extremely close, but I think Georgia does the get the, again second half adjustments, and I think Georgia wins this game by a field goal. Taking the Bulldogs, going with the Kirby Smart train, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just. I'm not going to be able to pick against Alabama until proven otherwise. I, I agree that this game is very intriguing. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, but Bama, they really look like a machine again, specifically on offense. But like you said, Georgia has arguably the best defense in the nation. So, I mean, they, they could they could shut down that attack. I'm just not sure that, that Georgia is going to have enough offense to keep up with what Alabama can do. I mean, Matt Jones has been incredible. Najee Harris is running all over everybody. With Saban having COVID, that throws a wrench in things. I don't know. I mean, is he going to coach over Zoom? Is he going to pull a Hugh Freeze and bring a, 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 a hospital <laughs> chair up in the press box and coach that way? I don't know. Maybe he's crazy enough to do that. Uh, I just think Alabama has too much offense. I think that they'll, they're going to score just enough. I think it's going to be about a 10-point game, but I think Alabama wins and continues to remain the, the, the champions of the SEC. See, I think more likely for Saban is just because he know you know they're gonna he's gonna want him to hear him and everyone to hear him. I think he could go the the route of uh, was it a high school coach earlier in the year or a lot small college, I don't remember that coached from a from like the top of a lift. Um, they had him up on a lift oh, yeah. outside the stadium uh, coaching. So um, I could totally see that would totally be a saving move. It would be like the Pope with a big Pope mobile up there with a little covered little thing so he could he could coach from there. wouldn't surprise me one bit. But, <laughs> man, this has been a fun podcast. We're like, we've, we've yeah. disagreed on a lot of stuff tonight. Like, I liked it. I like it a lot. Yeah, we were, we were way too on the same page in the past. So we need to dis- disagree more like this in the future. I think it makes for better – conversation obviously there's been a lot going on within the sec and with arkansas um it's a big game this weekend i hope it happens i mean if it doesn't maybe getting two weeks off in a row isn't worst case scenario for arkansas with as banged up as they are obviously i would be disappointed because i want to get to watch the hogs but Ole miss is coming into town there's a losing streak on the line it's going to be a lot of offense that series is always crazy i'm excited to watch it i mean i think it should be a lot of fireworks in, in donald w reynolds 
Well, I am looking forward to it. I'm going to be uh, kicked back at either uh, my hotel room or a nice uh, sports bar if I can find one open in the Denver area that's playing the game. And uh, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this weekend and watch that game. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to listening to this podcast as I'm driving that 15-hour drive too. So uh, hopefully uh, hopefully Will gets it loaded up for us quickly. But, uh, uh, man, let me, uh, let me throw some thanks out to Lost Pizza Company of Benton and uh, for, the, for, the, for bringing this pod out, for, for the support for this pod this week, uh, as well as Heart of Grace Outdoors on Facebook. Go visit them as well. And uh, just a reminder, no natural state sports game of the week this week we've got too many of our crew out of town so uh, gonna take a bye week for the natural state sports crew but we'll be right back next week hopefully in Maumel. that's where we're currently scheduled to be but covid has been a, a major issue over at Maumel high school so hopefully they've got that uh, taken care of by next week but uh you know until and, until next week man i just hope we get to watch the hogs play this week and uh and that we're we're talking about another victory come next week yeah, that'd be ideal. I hope you enjoy your, your little vacation you're getting, safe travels. I hope you guys have a good time. Root on the hogs from, from, from outside of the state, and hopefully Arkansas gets to play and gets another SEC victory. Yes, sir. I want to be able to support my or sport my Razorback gear proudly in Denver, so uh, let's, let's hope I'm wrong on my prediction and the hogs get it done. I think that they have a good shot. I think, that, I think they're going to pull through. I think Arkansas is going to move to 2-2 two and two on the year. I have faith. I believe in Sam. Yes, sir. All right. Until next week, Woo Pig.